What's going on, guys? Welcome back inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. You can follow me on Twitter at Rosvogel Report for all things Saints. Now, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about how that Thanksgiving game went. I'm just going to do a really brief recap because the reality is we're a good amount of days past what took place on Thanksgiving. And for all of you who did uh, spend the time with your families, I hope you had a really great holiday. And, uh, you know, it was stressful at the end of that Saints game, but at the end of the day, you have some food, you got to watch the Saints win, you got to watch them clinch the division, and that certainly helps and makes the day uh, go a little bit better for those on Thanksgiving. But anyway, let's just talk about what went down in that game. Um, and it's going to sound harsh, but it's, you know, the reason that I've been very tough on this team is because we all know where they can go. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations, a team that when they play their best football, they can't be beat for the exception of a supernatural play, whether it's the Minnesota Miracle or a no-call that should have been called in the championship game. You need those type of events to beat this team. Those are the breaks that need to go right. And right now, they're not playing their best football. The positive is, and it's a really big positive, they're 10-2. and two, And you want to stack wins. And great teams find ways to win when things don't go right. And the reality is not a lot's gone right for the Saints this year. You lost Drew Brees for five games. You lost Alan Kamara and Jerry Cook for another two. Teron Armstead wasn't available on Thanksgiving because of a high ankle sprain. Uh, Andrews Pete broke his arm. Marshawn Lattimore missed a couple of weeks because of a hamstring injury. I can go through a bunch of injuries that the Saints have dealt with, and yet they've found ways to continue stockpiling wins while not even playing up to their potential yet. And I think that's the beauty of what's going on. But here's the issue. The Saints, the way they are struggling, are things that if those continue, you will lose in the playoffs early because penalties are a big issue. And yet again, on Thanksgiving, the Saints get called for nine penalties, over 100 yards worth of them. I mean, we had a bunch of PIs that were called. Um, the hands to the face needs to stop. That's become an issue. And a lot of offensive holdings that have really hurt this team and set them back, especially when they get into the red zone. And I know Sean Payton wants to clean it up. I know the Saints say they're going to clean it up, but you can say all those things and it doesn't matter if you don't actually do it. And with the way these last four games are shaping up and only three of, and three of them, excuse me, are non-divisional matchups, the Saints have no excuse now for this to keep happening. I tweeted it out earlier last week, and, I, and I'm still going to stick to this. The reason that they're also playing so sloppy, it's not just because there's mistakes they have to shore up. When you play against a divisional opponent, things usually get out of hand. The game's a little bit more chippy. You make a little bit more mistakes because both teams know each other's tendencies so well. And the Saints so happen to play four straight division games in the month of November. And for them to win three out of four is very encouraging, but they need to cut down on penalties. And the only thing that I think bodes well for this team, and I'm going to keep saying it, and I'll continue to say it, and I'm hoping after Sunday we finally see it. We have yet to see where this Saints team can be. What's their peak? Last year, the Saints crushed Cincinnati and crushed Philadelphia, and I'm talking about blowouts. And we all sat there and said, you know what? 
The Saints team can win a Super Bowl, and that's the best they can play. And that's good. You know, winning 48 to 7 over Philadelphia, who were the defending champions at the time, is a statement win. The issue is the Saints hit their peak, and after that, they started going down a little bit. And I said it throughout the year. I think teams like the Niners, I think teams like the Seahawks, I think teams like the Ravens, and even the Packers, we've seen their best football. We know what it is. The Niners' best football is blowing out the Packers 37-8, I believe it was, and beating the Panthers 51-13. to And the Seahawks' best football, we've seen they've beat the 49ers. I think that's the best it gets for a team that's so reliant on Russell Wilson. The Saints are winning games, but we have not seen them blow out teams. I mean, their biggest margin of victory or big, most you know impressive wins probably when they just took it to Chicago. But even then, towards the end of the game, they let off and they slow down. And they're having a lot of special teams issues, which I will definitely talk about in just a moment. But the Saints haven't played their best football. And maybe that's a good thing because they're saving their best football for December in a sense. And all the trick plays and explosive plays on the field that we're looking for will start to come out and they get hot at the right time and they go into the playoffs at the right time and just beat the competition up. Maybe that's possible because the last two years, the Saints played their best football in October and November. And then December, they were struggling to get it going. And yeah, look, they still should have made the Super Bowl last year. There's no excuse, but I think this is definitely a different feeling. And I think that if you're a Saints fan, that's why you hold on to op- you have an optimistic feeling about it. And that's why you hold on to hope for this team because you think they can play a little bit better. They're yet to reach their ceiling, which is definitely something encouraging. But the clock is ticking. They're running out of time to prove to everyone, Saints fans, national media, opposing fans, that they are a dominant force. Because right now, everyone's talking about which team's records don't line up with the production. And the first team they mentioned, the New Orleans Saints. And the reason why, because they're not putting their you know, they're not stomping on opponents' throats. They're not putting the uh, the beat down that they did last year on opponents. And I agree with the fact that the Saints have not looked the part of a dominant force. But I will say this. Every season, it seems like the New England Patriots struggle to get by. And then all of a sudden, December comes around, they click. And then we're like, yep, this is why they're going to make the Super Bowl again. So why can't the Saints do that? Um, I think the, the, rea- the reality here is they can do that. Um, but they need to prove it, and that all starts on Sunday when they play the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to preview that game and talk about what's important in the second half of this episode. But for now, let me just talk about special teams. And for the most part, special teams gets overlooked. And for the way the Saints play, it does get overlooked because, well, Lutz is a damn good kicker, hitting nearly 90% of his field goals. And he had that little bit of a rough patch when they were in Chicago, but ever since, he's been perfect. Um, So shout-out to Will Lutz. In a year where kickers have struggled, he's been, yet again, excellent for the Saints. Morstead's one of the best punters in football, so you feel when he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to flip field position and you'll be in fine shape. And then Deontay Harris, I don't know um, what more I can say about him. He's given the Saints an element they haven't had, an electric kick returner who can flip field just the way Morstead can. he can give you a 20-yard, 30-yard pickup. He can take it to the house if there isn't a holding call from the officials. So I love what he's done, but there's one issue. And it's fielding onside kicks. And it's a really big issue because when you get in the playoffs, you're going to get in a situation where you're up 10, you're up 14, whatever it is, and the opponent scores. And they got to do an onside kick to get the ball back. And for the most part, teams recover onside kicks. They're very good at it. The rate uh, for conversion is very slim, especially with the new rules where you don't get a running start. And yet, if you're the Saints, for some reason, you can't figure it out. Uh, They gave back-to-back onside kick recoveries to the Bears when, you know, they played in Chicago about a month ago. and then. On Thanksgiving, they gave up an onside kick to Atlanta. 
and, and you know, a penalty is called, so they have to redo the try. Atlanta somehow gets it again, and then they kick a field goal, say, you know what, we're going to outside kick it because we feel comfortable with it, and guess what? They recover again. So if you include the penalty and just wipe that out of your mind, they gave up three straight onside kicks. That can't happen in today's NFL. When everyone else is recovering it, why are the Saints struggling? And I think that's something where people are going to say, oh, it's a minor issue, it's no big deal. It is a big deal, though, because the Saints are going to be a playoff team. They've already clinched the division. You know they're going to get a a home postseason game. They can't afford for it to come down to an onside kick, honestly, because the way they're playing football right now, specifically on special teams and the special teams coverage, it's not ideal. It's nowhere good. And I think a big issue is you have too many players trying to make business decisions on the hands team. And granted, I understand they don't want to get absolutely trucked by a defender. You giving up that ball makes it a very interesting game. And if the Saints defensive line doesn't sack Matt Ryan eight or nine times, whatever it was, and Cam Jordan doesn't have four sacks and dominate the Falcons O-line, we might be talking about how that was an overtime game or Atlanta pulled off an insane comeback because the special teams coverage was so bad. And I know you guys are going to say you're being negative, Chris. That's not right. No, I'm, I'm just being realistic because we have to start looking at the bigger picture here. This is, I agree with the way uh, the Saints t-shirts were worded this year. The South is not enough. It's not. There are three teams in the NFL that came into this season and, and they said it's Super Bowl or bust. It, were the, it was the Patriots, it was the Chiefs, and it was the New Orleans Saints. And the reason why, because we know what they've done and we know how far they can go. And that's not enough anymore. You need to win a Super Bowl. And if this team's going to win a Super Bowl, they can't be so uh, anemic on special teams and have all these issues and be incompetent when it comes to recovering an onside kick. And, and again, I like the Saints team. I think the Saints team is a contender. I think that we're going to see them play better football in the next couple of weeks. But, and it's a really big but, they need to be better on special teams. They just need to. Because who's to say on Sunday they don't play the Niners and they're up 10 and the Niners score a touchdown, cut it to three and need an onside kick, and they give it up again. Who's to say they don't? And I know Sean Payton had the long week, so he's going to have them working on it, and that's definitely a bright spot. And I know that this special teams unit has seen better days, and they will see better days in the future, but they're not giving you much to be confident about right now. So as a fan, you need to be nervous because, like I said, this team is so much more than just a division winner. This team is so much more than just a conference winner. This is a team that... At the end of the day, if it doesn't end with them hoisting the Lombardi Trophy, it was a failed season, and that's the reality. So they can't have stuff like that bring them down. When we come back on the show, we're going to talk about the Saints-49ers matchup with the one seed at stake. It's the biggest game the Saints will play this year until the postseason. So I'm going to talk about the the matchups that will dictate who wins that game, uh, what to look forward to, and who will win next Sunday. But all that coming up right after this short message. And welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. Chris as well. Go again here, your host. And before I talk about real quick about the Niner Saints game and how important that matchup's going to be, and you guys all know how important it's going to be, I just want to let you know we're going to do a quick segment every week. And it's starting next week where I'm going to have you guys express yourself. So one Saints fan each episode is going to have a little 30-second to one-minute rant, question, topic that they want to talk about. They're going to pose the question or pose the hot take or Say whatever they're, whatever's on their mind as long as it's relevant to that week. Um, I'm going to choose whichever one I believe was the strongest for that particular episode and what fits the best. I'm going to put it on there. And then 
it's cool. It'll give you guys some exposure. It'll, you know, incorporate a little bit of the fan base here because you guys have been great um, in terms of viewership. And I, I think it's just going to be fun. It adds a little bit of spice to it. And instead of hearing me ramble for 20-something minutes, you'll have me rambling for 15 minutes, and you'll have another two minutes where it's another fan giving their take. And I think it's just something nice um, to give back to you guys. You guys have been so great this season and I appreciate it. So I'm going to tweet out about it again, but if you're listening right now and you're interested, remember right after that 49ers game, send me a voice message of something that happened during the game, something you wanted to hit on. And if I like it, I think it's great. And I think it's worthy of the topic. I'll put it in. And and look, if there's multiple ones that I think are good for the week, I will certainly put multiple and just space it out within the episode. If that's what I think fits best. Um, and it definitely can be. So something we're going to do, we're going to say, express yourself. Um, I'll probably throw in a little sound bite for it too, as well. Make it sound a little bit better. Um, but that's it. So that's what I want to tell you guys about. Now let's get into it. Saints Niners, the bad bloods there. This is a rivalry. That's been one of the best in football. Remember when they used to play in the same division back then. And even when they were not in the same division, there were some great moments and some bad moments. And I will always think, and if you're a Saints fan, you always have to think about it. What the 2011 season could have been. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I went back there. Dark road. Shouldn't have said it, but to that day, there has always been bad blood between this team uh, between these teams. And I think if you're a Saints fan, there are bitter rivals. You hate the Falcons. You hate the Panthers. But you also hate the Niners. And these two teams, it wasn't just the N- the NFC Divisional round. You had the Ahmad Brooks game where he basically clotheslined Drew Brees in the neck. And people said it was a controversial penalty, blah, blah, blah. And then they come back, I believe it was a year later or two years later, where they end up, um, Ahmad Brooks forces a fumble on Drew Brees and they win in overtime and had the saints won that game, they would have made the playoffs that year. So that game ended up becoming crucial. So both teams, there's a lot on the line here. Um, the 49ers have had such an incredible season. And while I, I just said before, in the first half of the episode, a division crown is not enough for the saints this year, regardless of how it goes down was a success for the 49ers. They're going to make the playoffs. Kyle Shanahan has taken this team to a new level and whatever you want to think about this team. And you might think they're overrated and whatnot, the reality is he hasn't on the right track. And if, think, if I had to pick a team in the NFC that has the largest championship window, and yet that window can slam uh, you know, shut in a moment's notice in the NFL, I think the 49ers might have that because their defense is so talented and so young. And Jimmy Garoppolo is in his 20s, so he's still got time to grow. And George Kittle's an emerging superstar, and Debo Samuel's playing well, and the O-line's young. I think the Niners do have a really big window. All that being said, they are now going to be put to the test. They beat the Packers, but I've said many times on the show, I never thought the Packers were that good. I think the Packers are Aaron Rodgers dependent and also are dependent on getting very favorable calls from the referees. Let's call it what it is. Um, so they, they did their job. They beat down on the Packers, and I thought it was impressive, and it proved to me that the Niners, without a shadow of a doubt, are better than the Packers by a large margin. So I got that. Um, but this is going to be their biggest test. I know everyone wants to say the Ravens was their, you know, playing against the Ravens on the road is their biggest test. And maybe you can make an argument that it is because Lamar's been great and the defense is starting to click for Baltimore. And Baltimore's the number one seed in the AFC right now. So you know what? You can't make the argument. But this is why I think this is the biggest test for the 49ers. You're going up against a team that's been there, that's done that, that's at home. It's a noon game for them. And their crowd's going to be wild. And although the 49ers have accomplished so much this season and will continue to accomplish more as the year goes on, the Saints are an accomplished team and they're still getting it done. And they feel like there's so much at stake here where not only does a bye week help out a team like a Saints that's a little bit older, that can use the extra rest, that can use the extra week for Sean Payton to scheme stuff up, they also know 
when it runs through the Superdome, specifically in the playoffs, you don't beat Sean Payton except for the exception where the refs blow the whistle and make the call. The Saints stay undefeated at home in the Sean Payton Drew Brees playoff era. That's that's what's at stake here. And the Saints know it. We know it. And that's why I think this game is going to be important. But this game is also going to come down to who's active on Sunday. So as of right now, I'm recording to this, uh, this to you guys on a Monday. Um, you know, and, and there's no injury report out right now. The first one's not going to come out until Wednesday. So the status of Toronto Armstead is a little shaky, a little murky. I actually think, and this is totally just a gut feeling, I kind of feel like he's going to play. And now I'll know on Wednesday if I was right or wrong, and you guys will know as, to, as well, because if he's not practicing on Wednesday or Thursday and even a limited capacity, he's not playing on Sunday. But I kind of have that gut feeling that he's going to play. He looked in really good shape on Sunday, uh, on th- Thursday, excuse me. Um, he was saying all the right things. The way he was t- uh, putting out on Twitter, he seemed bummed because it seemed like he'll only miss like a week or two and, and he'll be right back in it. So it just sucks to even miss that um, because he wants to play a full 16-game season. I think Armstead's going to play. And if Armstead plays, you don't under, I, I mean, for some people, you understand how important it is, but I really think Armstead's uh, status might dictate who wins this game. Like, that's how important I think he's going to be against the defensive line of the 49ers that has just wreaked havoc on opponents because you have D Ford on one side and you have Nick Bosa on the other. And then in the middle, you have DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. And out of all the matchups this week, that's the biggest one the Saints O line versus the 49ers D line. The 49ers D-line, everyone talks about Bosa and how great he is, and he'll probably win defensive rookie of the year, so I tip my cap to him. Buckner and Armstead have been the you know the game changers and the difference makers for that 49ers D-line. It's very rare to have defensive linemen in the interior that probably rush the passer, the passer better than the outside guys. And the outside guys are pretty good in Ford and Bosa, but what Armstead and, and Buckner are able to do is just close the inside of that pocket off for quarterbacks. And for a guy like Drew Brees, who's so great at stepping up in the pocket, this game's so important that the O-line can hold up and let him climb up in the pocket and make that throw down the field to a Michael Thomas, to a Traquan Smith, to a Jared Cook. Because if you hit him from the inside and force Drew to roll out, can he make throws from time to time? Absolutely. But Drew's not Aaron Rodgers where he's comfortable with rolling out and making a throw on the run. Drew wants to shred you apart from the inside of that pocket. So the Saints need to make sure that Armstead and Buckner don't collapse the interior because if they do, it could be a tough day for Drew and the O-line. As for the outside, I'm going to be honest with you. Whether or not D Ford plays, I don't think it matters because I really trust Ramchek that much. Um, you want to talk about Khalil Mack? Yeah, Ramchek neutralized him. You want to talk about Shaq Barrett, who's been a wrecking ball this season for every other D-line? Ramchek neutralized him. So we've seen great pass rushers, Chandler Jones being another, that have gone up against Ryan Ramchek, and he's taken them out of the game. So I I think the Saints have that luxury on the right side. If Armstead plays, I think Bosa will beat him here and there because Bosa's so good. I I know people hate him, and that's fine. As a football player, he's a heck of a player, and he's going to have his moments where he beats Armstead. It's a matter of how many times that happens. I think Armstead will definitely, if he plays, hold his own against a rookie who's good, but is going up against an experienced all-pro caliber vet who's very good. Another factor, another injury that's going to play a part in this game, Kiko Alonso. Is he going to be healthy? So he didn't play basically the whole second half of that Falcons game. It was a thigh injury, they're saying. This injury stinks because let me tell you, Kiko Alonso, who barely saw any time in the first half of the season, has been a game changer for that front seven. Um, And I know the injury to Anzalone hurt, but this is why the Saints got a guy like Kiko Alonso. You bring in depth. So when one man goes down, you keep that machine moving. And that's why the Saints, specifically on run defense, are so good. 
because Kiko Alonso and Demario Davis plug any hole and they shoot through the gap. I mean, we saw on Thursday night, Kiko Alonso just came through and absolutely smacked Devontae Freeman for like a three or four yard loss on a running play. And it's almost like, where the hell did he shoot out of? He's so quick. The Saints need him against a de- uh, against an, uh, an offense like the Niners where they love to run the football, love to spread it out and move to the outside um, and get those zone stretches. You want to have Kiko Alonso out there. Um, similar to Toronto Armstead, we're not going to know anything about his status. I have not heard anything. I have checked in with a couple of sources. I have not heard anything on whether or not he's going to play. It kind of seems like it's quiet. It doesn't seem like it's a long-term injury at all, but you never know on a short turnaround. I don't know if Kiko Alonso will be able to play this Sunday. Fingers crossed it was more of a cramp uh, than anything, and Saints were cramping. Lattimore had a cramp, and Chauncey Jar- uh, Gardner-Johnson had a cramp as well. So maybe that was it, and the Saints said, you know what, keep Kiko out of the game. But we won't know until the injury report on Wednesday, but they're going to need him. Let's flip over to another matchup and another thing that's going to be important. How do the Saints stop George Kittle? You can take Travis Kelsey. You can take whatever tight end you want in the game of football, and you can tell me they're the best tight end. That's fine. I'm going to tell you you're wrong because George Kittle's the best tight end. George Kittle blocks well. He goes out in space well. He catches in traffic well. And you want to talk about yards after catch? George Kittle, you get on the ball in his hands, it's almost like he's a running back. And he's a big dude. And we've seen angry runs. We've seen stiff arms. We've seen him just blowing by defenders like he did against the Packers. And this is all on a bum ankle. And the Saints' weakness for years has been stopping good tight ends. Now, they've been a little bit better at in recent years, but George Kittle is the best tight end they've faced since maybe jo- uh, Greg Olson years ago because Greg Olson is no longer what he was uh, once was. Stopping Kittle's huge because not only is Kittle the Niners' best weapon, he's Jimmy G's go-to guy on third down. He's Jimmy G's go-to guy on play-action pass. He's his go-to guy on a lot of things. So if you can at least contain Kittle because you're not going to stop him. Can you contain him? Hold him to, I don't know, five catches for 60 yards. And honestly, that that's probably not enough. That's not enough. And, and that's and that's like a best case scenario. If you can keep Kittle to like 60 yards, 70 yards receiving, probably got a really good chance at winning this game. You can't let him go for one of those 100-yard plus games, which he's done to multiple teams this year. He's so good. Um, and he really does change the game. So if the, the Saints can limit him and keep him to being a 50, 60-yard guy, I think they'll have a chance of winning this one for sure. And another one, and this is probably my most important thing, and I think this really is going to decide who wins this football game besides the O-line, D-line dispute that we've been talking about. Can the Saints make the 49ers one-dimensional? The Saints are great run defense. We know they are. I mean, they just throw bodies in there. Cam Jordan, Trey Hendrickson, Marcus Davenport, Shai Tuttle, um, Malcolm Brown, Anyamata, Sheldon Rankins, they will throw bodies in there. Mario Edwards as well. Can you force the 49ers, who are one of the three best running teams in football, to be one-dimensional and rely on Jimmy Garoppolo in the Superdome to lead them to a victory? Because I think that's the way you beat the 49ers. I think Jimmy G's good. I think he's a lot better than what people think, where people say, oh, you know, just call him porn star Jimmy and say that he's not good, like Stephen A. Smith. That's fine. And when you go down the list of what the 49ers are good at, I think that's why Jimmy G doesn't get any credits because they have an elite defense and elite running game. So you go down to the quarterback and you're like, well, he's not elite like everything else. But Jimmy G, I see in the same category as a Kirk Cousins, as a Dak Prescott, where you could win a Super Bowl with. But are they able to answer the call when everything's not going right and they need to make the play? And Jimmy G's done it, but he did it twice against the Arizona Cardinals. And the Saints obviously aren't the Cardinals. 
And that's why I think that's important. Because I think Jimmy G is going to be a good quarterback, but he's still young, and this is a tough environment for him in the Superdome. And if the Saints force him to be one-dimensional, you take away Jimmy G's best asset, which is a play-action pass. And if you can do that, I think the Saints have a really good shot at winning this football game. In fact, I will go as far to say this. If the Saints put this game solely on Jimmy G's shoulders, I think they win this game. And the reason why I think they win this game is because the 49ers are going to take away what the Saints do best. But I trust Drew Brees to say, you know what? Fine, I'll beat you in another way. I can't say that right now that I trust Jimmy Garoppolo with no run game to say, watch me shred this defense apart. I don't know if I can. And I think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be a field goal game for sure. It's going to come down to the wires. Almost every single Saints game does. But everyone's sleeping on the Saints. Everyone. No one's giving them their respect. No one's saying they're even going to make the NFC Championship game. No one's saying this team is as good as last year's or the year before that. No one's saying it. Everyone's saying they're okay, they're good, but they're not giving me that explosive play. They don't have that it factor. Well, that it factor could come out on Sunday. And this is going to be a close one. And I know from watching the Niners, because I have family members that are 49ers fans, um, dealt with a brother, with my brother and my dad that are big Niners fans, I've had to watch every game of theirs. And I'm telling you from now, this team is really good. But the best way to beat this team is forcing number 10, Jimmy Garoppolo, to beat the opposing quarterback. And so far, he's done it. He hasn't done it against a guy like Drew Brees. And Drew Brees knows that they have not played their best football. And you could sense the frustration in Drew Brees talking after the game. And the first thing he'll immediately say is we haven't played our best football. And I'm happy we're getting wins, but we are making mistakes and we're not there yet. And the one thing I saw on Thursday, Saints were getting open. Game was opening Enzo for a touchdown. Cook had basically two touchdowns that he dropped. The Saints guys are getting open now. Catch the damn football and you'll be fine. And I think in a game where the one seed's on the line and the Superdome's going to be rocking and the 49ers are good, but they're still not as experienced as the Saints are in this environment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust them. And I'm going to go as far to say this. This is the prove-it game for the Saints. Beat the 49ers. I don't care how. Just beat the 49ers. And all the talk about them not having the it factor, them not playing their best football will go away. Because to beat the 49ers, you're going to need to play your best football. And I don't care if that means you won 23-20 to or if you won 34-28. to I don't care what it is. If you beat this team, that means you, you played your best football. Because penalties against the 49ers won't fly. Interceptions against the 49ers won't fly. Not getting to the quarterback won't fly. Eli Apple playing bad won't fly. All that. You beat the 49ers, it means you've played your best football game of 2019 so far. And maybe I'm being overly optimistic, and maybe I'm trusting this team a little bit more than I should. But I think the 40, I think the 49ers, as good as they are, I think they're going to lose two straight games. I think the Saints are going to win on Sunday 24-21. to 21. And maybe that's a low-scoring game for this matter. And maybe I'm wrong. But everyone told me, that the Niners would struggle to defend Rodgers and struggle to defend Lamar because they're not good against mobile quarterbacks, but I thought they played really good against them. What I think you need to do to beat a defense as good as the 49ers is getting the ball out quick. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but on Thursday night, Drew Brees got every pass out in a matter of two seconds. And if you do that, you wear down their D-line. You wear out those pass rushers. And all of a sudden, Drew Brees has all day to throw, and he'll make a defense pay if he gets that. I think the Saints win. And I think this is going to be the defining game of their season. Win this game, and I will go as far to say this team will guarantee be in the NFC Championship game. And they'll have a, they'll have a say in whether or not they make the Super Bowl this year. Again. But win this game, and you're going to get a bye week. 
you're going to have a chance to prove doubters wrong. And the Saints will have a chance to make the Super Bowl run that they've been trying to make the last two seasons. So it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be the biggest game of the season for the regular season, I might add, because obviously the playoffs, every game is the biggest one until the next. But I think it's going to be close. I think the D-line versus the O-line for Niners Saints is going to be important. How do you stop Kittle? And can you force the Niners to be one-dimensional in the passing game? I think those are going to be big factors for this one. I think the Saints have the players, they have the coaching staff, and they have the home field advantage to win this ball game. Now all they have to do is go out and prove it. Easier said than done, but this team, with so much against them the last couple of seasons, they can win this game and prove yet again that they can make the NFC run through the Superdome. Who knows? Maybe this is the year that the Saints pull it out. But that's going to do it for this episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. Once again, this is recorded on a Monday afternoon. So when it comes to injuries and everything, make sure you're checking up on the injury report. I will tweet them out anyway to keep you guys updated. But there is a chance that some players that I mentioned will not play or some players that I did not mention end up playing. But that's always the risky run with recording it early. But anyway, guys, I hope you have a fantastic week, fantastic weekend. And hopefully the Saints win this game and hold on to the one seed with only three weeks remaining after that in the NFL season.